Hello and welcome to the Drink In and Geek Out podcast. This is a show where we drink beer and geek out. You're listening to episode 120, Aquaman, featuring beers from Triton Brewing Company out of Indy and Mommy Bay Brewing Company out of Toledo, Ohio. I'm your host, Keith, joined with Pale. Just two of us filling in while Saf moves into his new home. Um, don't want to jump into a four-person podcast when we nope. don't really need to. It's tough to get together around the holidays. We had our little holiday break not too long ago, and we came back with our best of 2018 little clip show that we threw together. That was pretty cool. Yeah, hope you enjoyed that. But it's been a while since just you and I. I think it's been since uh, Legion, is yeah. it not? Yeah, yeah. Been... Well, this is cool. Yeah, it's, I like doing like two, two at a time. I think Dustin and Saf have had several episodes with just them. Since yes. now they're they're indie bound and we are not. Yeah, and they kind of maybe geek out a little bit harder than we do, so That's they true. have ideas kind of flow like more with them. They also beer out a lot more and they than beer we out do. A lot more. Yep, there are <laughs> better breweries down there. There's probably triple the amount of breweries there. Ugh. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, I almost called you Saf again. Uh, Pale and I, we actually, not too long ago, went to go see Aquaman, the movie. We did. And it was... Aquaman. Was it just Aquaman? Was that the title of the movie? Yeah, just Aquaman. (laughs) Just Aquaman. Yep. So that was pretty exciting that we got a chance to see that. So we are going to talk about Aquaman today. Yes, I'll read kind of the beginning of Aquaman, like just the first history of him where he appeared and all that sure aquaman is a superhero appearing in american comic books published by dc comics created by paul norris and mort weisinger the character debuted in more fun comics number 73 in november 1941 initially a backup feature in dc's anthology titles aquaman later starred in several volumes of a solo comic book series during the late 1950s and 1960s superhero revival period known as the Silver Age. He was a founding member of the Justice League. In the 1990s, modern age, writers interpreted Aquaman's character more seriously with storylines depicting the weight of his role as King of Atlantis. The character's original 1960s animated appearances left a lasting impression, making Aquaman widely recognized in popular culture and one of the world's most recognized superheroes. Jokes about his wholesome, weak portrayal in Super Friends and perceived feeble powers and abilities have been staples of comedy programs and stand-up routines, leading DC at several times to attempt to make the character edgier or more powerful in comic books. Modern comic book depictions have attempted to reconcile these various aspects of his public perception, casting Aquaman as a serious and brooding, saddled with an ill reputation and struggling to find his true role and purpose beyond his public side as a deposed king and fallen hero. And that's rather interesting because when you think Aquaman, everybody just immediately laughs and be like, oh, I don't want to be Aquaman. He's been a joke for so long. Because it started with that old Super Friends, like, the Hall of Justice. You know, him, that, yeah. It was just, let me talk to the fish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that... <laughs> it's like, that's, that's all ridiculous. he could do. 
he can do more than just that. But he was like super happy and just like the guy swimming in a pool or whatever. <laughs> he <laughs> never did anything else. Yeah. So it's kind of neat to see they're taking him to a, a different edge. <clears throat> like with this movie that we're going to be talking about today. Just kind of showing a different aspect of him. Not just I'm the almighty king and ruler. Because I know you and I were talking before we started um, a little bit with the... Uh, what was the the animated that Tim what was the, it's not Tim Burton but um, the animated series like Justice League and everything else like that um, that Aquaman and he was always depicted as you know this is my kingdom and he was like so pro Atlantis and in yeah. this movie it's completely like opposite like I want nothing to do with Atlantis I don't want to be your king right. so it's like two different aspects of this character so it's kind of hard to decide you know what is Aquaman because you know besides just the guy that can talk to fish did you ever see the throne of Atlantis animated movie it was like him it was his story and I think that's where they tried to fix his reputation and like make him more like edgy like more serious hey I'm just as important as the rest of the Justice League. Yeah. Um, it kind of it was trying to like wipe away the whole like Super Friends persona. Yeah. Was that one of the DC animated? It was. Yeah, it was one of the. Um, yeah. It was like one of the movies that they put out that within are the really last good. ten years. Yeah, yeah, it was one of the ones that are really good. Ooh, I'll have to watch that one. I don't think I did. Um, okay, so before we jump into the movie, we'll have Keith plug uh, our social medias, and then we'll jump into our first in beer. While we get the next beer ready, I just wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DrinkInGeekOut. You can also check out our show notes and other fun stuff on our website, DrinkInGeekOut.com. You can also email us any comments or suggestions at DrinkInGeekOut at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcast, the Google Play Store, or wherever you get your podcasts. We also have a Patreon where you can get some fun bonus content. Find us there at patreon.com backslash drinkingeekout. And now, back to the show. All right, we're back with our in-beer. And as we said at the top of the show, um, we have something from Triton Brewing, which is, I mean, so perfect. Because if you yeah. look at the logo of Triton, it looks exactly literally like the, the trident. first Triton that he, yeah. from his mom. Exactly. Perfect. So it works out perfect. But a little disclaimer, I will say... Um, Triton, if you do listen, it's very difficult to find your beer here in Fort Wayne. We used to be able to find it all the time, but Pale, you and I, we went to so many liquor stores here in town and could hardly find. And the last stop, I came up with this beer from Triton, which is um, a little bit outdated. The Barn Phantom Gose with blueberry. It is a fruit beer. You know what's awesome? A blueberry patch. Also, your face! <laughs> Effervescent and lightly sour with blueberry and citrus aromas and a hint of minerality, it, this brew is Triton Brewing's interpretation of the classic German style, updated with a modern twist. This sessionable, unfiltered blueberry wheat beer will surely make you dream of blueberry fields forever. Availability seasonal, as we said, um, coming in at 4% ABV and 10 IBUs. And the color that it gives, it says it's golden straw. But we can debate that here in a few minutes. Yes. Because I don't our, agree with that. Our own little geeky color reference. Absolutely. So, I mean, blueberry, blue waters, triton. We did our best to try to find as much we can. It's really the best <laughs> to make thing this we can find to fit in. I know we usually have our 
go, go, go say segment sometimes that we have added on for whatever, but I think we'll try to treat this one as a beer. Right. <laughs> Hopefully it's tastes more on the wheat side than the uh, cider side. Yeah, hopefully. Well, let's take a look at the can. You know, it's I like the the black and the purple, um, and then like that's a picture of their uh, brewery. Oh, nice. Down there, it's up uh, north, northern Indianapolis, and then the. So it's a barn. So their barn, like where they brew, is what it looks like. So their barn phantom. Yeah, when you walk in, it's very industrial looking. Like the ceilings are all steel. The walls are. I think or like the backs of the bar is steel um, it feels yeah it feels kind of like a barn a little bit um, I did I do like the big what do they, what do they call that the blueberry <laughs> the, the thing in the oh the silo the silo thing, thing yeah the, yeah I don't know what it the looks like, it, it looks like whole, a silo but looks yeah. like they're grain there yeah <laughs> and they just like walk out in the mornings and like pour it into a big bucket and, like, when they're ready to brew and <laughs> yes. To the front of the store. It's where they store it. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So a simple sim- black black yeah. can all the way around with their logo. Um, you know, their little description on the side. Usually you just see the silver cans, but this one looks like it's actually black on the background with the sticker that's on it. So pretty simple. I think they usually have white cans, if I remember correctly. You said you saw one of the other ones that we've had before. Was it Re- black? Real splitter. That's all I saw. It was a bottle. Oh, it was, it was just a twelve ounce bottle. Okay. Um, it was just like a dark. It was like the dark brown bottle with the green label that said Real Splitter. Well, we done Real Splitter already. That was yeah. It was like one of our first beers. One of the first done. ones. Yeah, a long time ago. So, like I said, this is uh, not the most <laughs> recent beer here, as it tells us it was best by July eighth. But that's good old Indiana liquor stores. We sell you old beer because it doesn't sell. And they do a horrible job of promoting like the new stuff that they get. Yeah, what they have. And the people there are morons, and they claim to think that they know, oh, I know everything about beer. Yeah, you notice none of the, our liquor stores really do social media. No. Like, they, they never put out, like, what just come in the door. No, it's pathetic. Yeah. Good old liquor lobby in Indiana. Sorry, that's another episode for another day. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, pretty neat can. What's it actually look like now, Pale the Beer? The beer? Um... It has kind of a peach, I feel like. Like a peach color to it. Like an, I don't know. Orange, peachy. Peachy color. Um, a blueberry color? If we were to look at our... It's that slightly blue... Well, I don't want to say blueberry is like true blue, but it's like that purpley... Yeah. A little purpley hint. But this, you're right, it does definitely look more like peach. So I don't. It's gonna be hard to kind of match this up with. <gasps> Do we have peach on our Kiki scale? I don't know. It's because <laughs> you A know peach, we peach. have we have an extension of uh, the colors that are for like ciders and stuff, but it's like purples and reds. Yeah, this one. Yeah, this may have to be an extension here. We should add a peach goes in, Princess yeah. Peach goes in, because it's not really hitting the purples. More like. I wouldn't say Hellboy's Fist. That's too red. Scarlet Witch's hand stuff. <laughs> uh, not quite Batwoman's weave. And See, we don't have anything. Yeah, we don't really it's have too, much. I mean, if you look at the like the ale colors, like the the yellows that we have mm-hmm. on there, it's just got too much of a pink tint. 
like a, there's like a pink tint to it like when you hold it up into the light so it's it kind of throws it off so we're gonna have to add some new ones i believe yeah let's go with peach's peach peach's peach or princess peach peach, princess peach. <laughs> okay so a little bit of that pink hue to it that light peachy pinkish yeah we'll go with that well how's it smell Oh, that's wine. Yeah. <laughs> that smells like a, a Moscato to me. Or You're right. Brico. Mm-hmm. No, I, I like the Moscato. Moscato. I feel like it's going to taste like that with well, This with could be blueberry. a little bit more sour. Yep. Especially since <clears throat> July. But we'll see. Not as that, bad as I was expecting. No. It didn't get as bitter as I thought it was going to. There's definitely some sweetness to this. Or bitter, tart, whatever, whatever you want to call it. You don't drink it and immediately go, ah, ah, ah. Mm-hmm. like, it's so sour, I can't coming. talk. I drink it, and I was waiting for it to get like really tart, and, and it just kind of wasn't as bad as I thought. Yeah, it's definitely more Gosa than wheat beer. Yeah. So I think we're going to have to rank, rank this as... A go 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 say. Yeah, go go say. That's fine. We can still check it in. Mm-hmm. I just won't be too harsh. We won't be too harsh, we but won't. let's see what good old rate beer and beer advocate have to say. We'll start with beer advocate. The the BA score coming in at three point nine nine, very good out of five. Wow! So practically a four out of seven ratings. Uh, a couple people on here says aroma is sweet blueberry liquor and mild cough syrup. The flavor is blueberries, fruit, mild salt, malt, wheats, and a medium tart, slightly sweet finish. Rank that one pretty high. Uh, Another person on here says, not a bad beer. Didn't find the blueberry flavor to be very natural tasting in here. It's like blueberry candy or the blueberry syrup that you put pancakes, put on pancakes at Denny's. I don't know about that. Um, Bright magenta with a bubblegum pink head that disappears quickly. So I didn't see much of a head on this one because no. it's, you know. But definitely he agrees on the color at least. I don't know. A blueberry, I don't know. It might have been a little bit artificial. Mm-hmm. But that could have been because of the age, maybe. Could be. You can, we should just blame everything on the age. That yeah. We, we find wrong with it. That's what we normally do. <laughs> Actually, the more I drink it, it's growing on me. I kind of like it. Mm-hmm. I think the ladies would like this. Oh, absolutely. Um, rate beer, there's not enough to get an overall or style. There's only been five ratings, and it's a 3.22 out of five. A couple people on here says, got it in a can, pour slightly hazy pink, aroma and flavor, sweet blueberries, soft wheat, high carb, crisp whoa, acidity, and faint salinity. So salty. So it seems like it's okay. They're not you know, shitting all over it or anything, which is good. I'll look at Untapped. Yeah, what do they got? Um, 3.86 out of 1,082 ratings. Six friends have tried this. Oh, Allison. Oh. We know Allison. 3.75. This was about a month ago. Our friend Chris Leland gave it a four. Saf has had this. Of course he has. He had it back in July when it was 
probably a lot more fresh. Yeah. He gave it I hope they didn't have it on one of their shows, did they? That'd be really weird. I don't think so. <laughs> no, he it was at Triton when he had this. Okay. Might have been the one time he met he met um, Dustin there. Yeah, that sounds about right. Our very own Hannah has had this. Oh, she has. 3.75. Oh, Hannah, you're supposed to rank it higher so you can <laughs> drink the rest of these. We need to give you need to give this at least a four and a half. <laughs> That's pretty high. That is pretty high. Um, there one thing on here that wasn't in our description on the notes. This says this was the winner of the 2017 gold medal in the fruit beer category at the Indiana's Indiana Brewers Cup. Dang. Yeah. Go Triton. I'll say if all if like most ghosts were like this, I would drink more. Yes. More of these because you don't get that super tart tartness that a lot of them have. Agreed. I'm thinking because I know Bird Boy came out with his Go 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 Say one time. His uh, what was it? Gooseberry. Gooseberry Go Say. Um, that he came out with his. And this one reminds me of his that it wasn't like overly tart. It wasn't overly sweet. It's just kind of a good blend between the two. So it's kind of hard to say with age since this was not refrigerated. Um, I don't know if that will keep the flavor or not. Um, I don't know. It's hard to say, but I kind of like it. Yeah. It's not terrible. It's gr- like the first taste I would thought, okay, this is something I could get into. And then as I drank it, it's it kind of maintained that same thought for me that I could, I could enjoy this. Like if I had a whole can of it, maybe share it with the wife and it would, yeah, I would like, I like it. Yeah. Question is how well do we like it yeah. that we can give it a ranking? So you want to do our, our uh, Gosa rating first? Or do you want to sure. do both? You want to do? I don't care. However you want to do this, since we're in rare waters here. Oh, yeah, this is still kind of a new territory in the the Gosa ranking. Well, I'm gonna give it a go go Gosa. That's I'm probably you're probably gonna say the same thing. Oh yeah, yeah. same thing. We'll definitely go, go, go with this one. Yeah. As opposed to other ones that we've had. Like, I wouldn't mind sitting down. I would really want to go to Triton now and try a very fresh one right off uh, draft. Because it says it is the seasonal that they have for spring. So we're obviously having it from last year Mm -hmm. (laughs) in spring as we quickly approach spring of 2019. Um, So, yeah, definitely. Because I still have a lot more to go, go, go in my fridge say. (laughs) Well, you better go, go, go and... Gosa yourself. I'm not going to do that now. We got other beer to oh. drink. Okay. <laughs> um, but looking up on tap, they have several Gosas, like a Barn Phantom Gosa Citrus. Ooh. Barn Phantom Gosa with mango. Mmm. Barn Phantom Gosa with key lime. That'd be interesting. Uh, Gosa with raspberry, which I do not like Your raspberries. Favorite. <laughs> Gosa with pomegranate. Okay, I would like to try that. That one would be good. Yeah. Um, At least it sounds good. I don't. I don't want to say too much. Yeah, but I believe they can all these. So you probably would have to travel down to Indy to find most of these. Well, I don't know if they maybe Triton just makes one giant delivery at the beginning of the year is what it sounds like to all like the Fort Wayne area, and then they don't you know, really distribute this one, and then the one that you found the another one, Pacino, yeah, the other one, which was really much older than this, was dated in kind of like the, the spring time. Yeah, it was actually it was their winter release from last year, so oh. that's why it said best if drank by that. And that one wow. had milk stout, and I. Ugh. That's I cannot believe they still have that on the shelf. Well, that's Fort Wayne liquor stores for yeah. you. So, 
So, uh, how do we rank this out of five stars? Or five uh, caps? I'll go first. I already ranked it. Okay. I gave it a three and a half. Okay. Not quite four as in, yeah, I'll drink this all the time, but if I had a choice of any Gose that we've ever had before, I would go with this one, obviously. Um, and plus, the descriptions that you were giving of all the different variants, kind of excited to try, you know, some of those too. I, I'm not a, I don't want to say I'm a big blueberry fan. I'll drink blueberry, but it's not my top choice. My top choice, of course, would be strawberry. But, mm-hmm. but getting back to this beer in particular, it's just sweet enough to save it from that bitterness that I don't want to call it a sour beer. It's not really a sour beer. It is a fruit beer. Um, but it's it's a good blend of sweetness, tartness, and a little bit of that saltiness too. Seawater reminds me of here for Aquaman. Um, <laughs> it, it I don't know. It, it's a good blend, and it leaves a very interesting taste in your mouth. It really reminds me of wine, and it would be a wine that I wouldn't mind drinking. So, yeah, three and a half. And I went ahead and did like one tick above you. I went three point seven five. Nice. Just echoing pretty much everything you said. There's a nice balance between the sweetness and the sour and then the salt water kind of character that's inside of it um it's not overly tart i thought it was going to be wasn't really kind of sure with their description i thought maybe we were going to get like a more of a beer more of a wheat beer Mm -hmm. with like a little bit of fruit undertones that would have been pretty good too i feel like but this one surprised me if they had this like a fresh one at the store, I would really consider picking it up. Um, I wouldn't mind trying the other variations of this. Um, but like mango sounds good. The pomegranate sounds really good. A cherry one would be pretty good too. Ooh, that would be interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think they did a really good job on this. Um, I need to keep... So I guess, and if you want gosas and you're like us, go check these out because other ghosts are not definitely not like this. Yeah, an introductory gose. <laughs> introductory gose, yeah. And then you kind of work your way into like more like, yeah, tart gose. Yeah. And... Absolutely. All right. Let's get back to Aquaman. Yeah. Forgot we were talking about him today. <laughs> Aquaman is a 2018 American superhero film based on the DC Comics character of the same name and distributed by Warner Brothers Pictures. It is the sixth installment in the DC Extended Universe, DCEU, directed by James Wan, with a screenplay by David Leslie Johnson McGoldrick, that's a fun name, and Will Beale. From a story from Jeff Johns, Wan and Beale, it stars Jason Momoa, am I saying that right? Yes, Momoa. Momoa as the title character with Amber Heard. Willem Dafoe, I was very shocked to see him in here. I had no idea he was in this movie. Mm-hmm. I kept thinking Green Goblin. Yep, That's right, I'm too. Spider-Man. <laughs> um, Patrick Wilson, Dolph Lundgren, Yaha Abdul-Mateen II, and Nicole Kidman. I thought that was her. I couldn't place her. I'm like, is that Nicole Kidman? She's changed it's, a lot. Yeah, it's because, no, it's because of the aging makeup. The aging the makeup. The aging they did to her. They tried to That's her, right. make her younger. Um, in supporting roles. In Aquaman, Arthur Curry, the heir to the underwater kingdom of Atlantis, must step forward to lead his people against his half-brother, Orm, who seeks to unite the seven underwater kingdoms against the surface world. Ah, I was right. Surface dwellers. Surface dwellers. (laughs) (laughs) That stupid surface world. Islanders. Islanders. I don't know if you want to spoil any more, give us more what you think and how it kind of laid out. I don't know. What do you think, pal? 
I really liked it. I thought it was a lot of fun. It was enjoyable. Um, I thought acting was okay, good enough. There wasn't very many, like... There was only maybe a few cringeworthy moments where, like, ooh. But um, the CG wasn't very like too cheesy. I didn't feel like... Um, no. I didn't feel like there was any time where I'm like, oh, God, that looked really bad, like the, the CG on that. The action was pretty good. Um, yeah, I just... I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, it was, I think the DC movies with this one and Wonder Woman are heading in a much better direction, like not being so dark and gloomy and gritty and just trying to have more fun like the Marvel movies are. Um, what do you think? I thought it was good. Um, I always liked these movies. It reminded me a little bit more though, like the Wonder Woman, so it's going in the right direction. There was enough humor in here. I will say it's predictable, but then again, you know, most of these superhero movies are. It's like, oh no, somebody has to save the day. Gee, I wonder if that'll be the title character. <laughs> um, but it's more about the journey and how to get there and the growth and how we see with this character. Um, I don't know. It's it's hard to compare it because, you know, usually in the Marvel Universe that, you know, we see a character or they all have their own standalone movies first and we see how that character develops. I mean, we've been introduced to Aquaman beforehand when Justice League and all the rest of these like oh we already know of him so it's not really an origin story but it is so we know a little we get to know more about him instead of him just showing up and you know where he came from his background and all sorts of things so it's kind of like done a little bit backwards like oh here he is here's we know what his kind of powers are and then it takes us even further into his story and I think that's why they were doing it that way I don't like that they did, like, you know, the Justice League and, like, the Batman v Superman first. I whether would have wished... I wish they would have done it like Marvel did it. But I think that gives them the ability to just cut out some of the backstory a mm-hmm. little bit and just focus more, focus more on, like, the present and, like, the future of, like, where Aquaman is going and where the universe is going mm-hmm. instead of doing, like, a full-on origin where there's, like... We see him like growing up and going to school and like getting picked on oh, and gee. all that. Oh, geez, here we go again. All over again. Yeah. But then again, I feel that way with Spider-Man and Marvel. It's like, how many Spider-Mans are we on now? Oh, Four or five? <laughs> it's like, just get it right the it's first like, time. It's like, how many times do we have to redo this movie? Yeah. Um. I thought. I forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> I what what annoyed me a little bit was like when like. Aquaman and Mera were having a conversation or whatever and then also out of nowhere like explosions and like they're being attacked that happened like four or five times in this movie yeah there were a lot of jump like a lot of jump like kind of jumping right into action like the transitions from just like me and you like having conversations and then like somebody coming and breaking in and fighting us that happened like a little too much it kind of I don't know it kind of took away from like the surprise yeah a little bit that was like my only minor complaint I know those things they like to throw that stuff into movies it's like watching Jurassic Park oh where's the moment going to come where the dinosaur is going to jump out from around the corner everybody goes ah you know and that kind of stuff happens but it it also built on the sense that they were being chased that they were on a time crunch I think yeah you are right it's like you don't have enough time to sit around and you know let's enjoy this vacation in Italy it's like no people are hunting you I mean you're wanted people right now Mm -hmm. 
So it kind of kept it going, and it wasn't like, you know, happy moments, and then you got to get back into the action somehow. So it was kind of a neat way to, you know, keep the ball rolling. Yeah. That's interesting that you had that take on it. I never, you know, I never would have thought of that. I just thought that's what movies do to keep it, the story rolling and yeah. keep it moving forward. It's usually not as much as they, like, most movies don't do it that often. I think by the third or fourth time, I was like, here we go again. Like, yeah. I, I, like, I wish the transition was like a little bit different. That's true. Like maybe uh, kind of make it, I don't know, like more like into, I don't know, anticipate like somebody is like out there like getting ready to attack us versus just like, bam, they're breaking into the yeah. into the building and <laughs> blowing <laughs> shit up. The thing I liked the most about it, it reminded me of, well, the history behind it. Um, it reminded me like of Assassin's Creed like in the whole story and how things go with that like you're on a journey to find an ancient artifact which they had to go find the original trident of Atlan the founder yeah. the first king of Atlantis I mean I don't know if all this was made up for the movie or not because I don't know the Aquaman comics or his <laughs> background I don't uh -huh. think many do um, but to hear and, and to see that like they're on a journey and they have to find these clues and try to figure it out I was really hoping like when they got to that place in the Sahara Desert I thought the trident was going to be right there I'm like this can't be it I they have too. to go somewhere I was like, oh, else it's going to be right there and, and like the projection it's going to you know like the projected it'll king, like shoot out of the it'll floor it'll come out of like, the floor here it is yep yeah it couldn't be that easy um, but that was kind of neat. I had no idea about, like, the Seven Kingdoms and then, you know, kind of uniting everybody. And I know the few of the kingdoms had fallen, like the undersea world, like the Seven Continents, the Seven Kingdoms underwater. So they literally just, like, fell from the top into the water and just adapted? Yeah. Is that the story? Yep, that's the story. Wow, that's crazy. And that's where, you know, the whole legend comes from and, you know, the real world anyway, what mm -hmm. happened to Atlantis, that it sank. And it's kind of neat to think that they had that technology and everything else and that that was a little fetch far-fetched i think that they were all humans and then they turned into fish people i think yeah i feel I like there was a lot of technology that they left out like how to adapt to living underwater yeah like first they would have to create some kind of oxygen or something under there and then maybe over time they've eliminated like the wearing a mask or something and yeah figure something out humans evolve but in the theme of atlantis like the legend has been around for what three thousand, four thousand years. Humans don't evolve that quickly. Evolution happens at a longer yeah. rate, for, especially for them to turn into these fish people that eat things. And it's like, okay, I I don't know. It, like, does some of the humans actually like full on had like fish heads? Yeah. And then, but then some of them actually kept their human look mm -hmm. and were still able to breathe underwater. It was so they were like the hybrids or whatever that could both be in water and. I don't know. It, it was bizarre. The, some of the science behind it. That felt yeah. a little bit rushed. Like oh, there, oh it, definitely. There wasn't yeah, a whole that, lot of explanation. That but, backstory felt rushed a lot. But back to the history aspect of it, like he had to go find the old king and like the king would bury it and the one true king that needs to come to find it. And the fact that he doesn't want power. And that's says for any leader throughout any time in history, like best leader out there is somebody who doesn't want to lead because you know they're the ones I don't want this power I don't want this responsibility but because they're going to make the best decisions because they have the people at heart and not themselves they're not in it for the power right and that's definitely I think where Arthur was coming from here but as much of a standoffish character as he was like you know get the hell out of here I'll beat the shit out of you I'm just going to chug beer at the local bar and then swim home um I don't know, he changed his tune very quickly in this. 
like, yeah, okay, I guess I'll come with you. Like, wait, where's right. this gruff character that we saw beforehand? So yeah, he was just all of a sudden, yeah, I'll play along. And I wanted to see him, you know, stand his ground and be a stubborn ass a little bit more. And he just seemed to go with the flow for this. Mm-hmm. But I think they kind of hit on that, like, in the, the time in between the last movie with Justice League or whatever, that it showed he grew a little bit softer and he was helping the Coast Guard. He was helping the Navy um, get their subs back and everything. So it kind of showed the good side to him. And I guess that's where we see his relationship with his parents and where the good in him came from. There was, like, times, like, in the movie where he was like, you know, I'm not a king. I, I, this, I'm not the one that, and, but, like, but, yeah, he was trying to adapt to the underwater life and, like, everything that comes with it he was trying to like get into it and um and i think yeah i wish he was like a little more stubborn like you said and then so like right before the submarine part with um black manta and mm-hmm. his father and that dude interrupted us because he thought we were in our oh my seats. gosh yeah we missed, missed that part that. so i don't know like the transition <laughs> from from atlanta going back into sea from that to like the submarine part I missed yeah, it. Like, we missed we missed like five minutes of that yeah, movie because this dude like you're in my seat. I'm like no, I paid for seven and eight. <laughs> count, sir. One, two, three, four, five, six. It would help if you didn't count backwards. <laughs> yeah, because one backwards. starts over here. Oh, that, that was pretty off. funny, and it's like that's why I don't like seeing movies after a few weeks of their release. I'm like, I'd rather go in the I second. I had no run. idea it was going to be that busy. Yeah, that was a pretty busy show. It's like I'd rather just be there alone. Yeah, too many people making noise, getting up and. I mean, half the people, that's what I don't understand about movies, half the people go, they pay $10 to go see this damn thing, and they spend 30 minutes of the two-hour movie in the concession stand and go into the bathroom. It's like, it's like you missed the whole movie! Show up on time! <laughs> you're you're already 15 minutes late for the movie, Yeah, and then you're going to yell at us because you think we're in your seat. Yeah, there's 30 minutes of previews beforehand, yeah, sir. Yeah, you, you certainly could You have a 30-minute window to show up before the movie you even still starts. didn't make it. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh. Um, but one little thing I did like about the movie was when they were talking underwater you still kind of heard a little bit of a barrier yeah um it wasn't just like a straight like me and you talking right now yeah. there was that little barrier that, that sounded like yeah they're submerged somewhere so it made it more believable absolutely i thought that was really cool i thought it was neat how they had their hair like they were actually underwater but i don't think they were because i mean you can tell when people are underwater when they're struggling to talk it's like whatever cgi they used on their face to overlay that over their body or somebody else's body under the water. Yeah. To see the hair move and they're still talking like they're in oxygen. That was pretty cool to see. I'd love to see the background yeah, of how think, they did that. I'm sure when the Blu-ray comes out, they'll have a behind-the-scenes stuff. And I'm how thinking they did like that. a lot of the actors maybe wore like caps like over their real hair. Mm-hmm. And they had like, you know, those little dots. Like oh, CGI'd hair. CGI'd yeah. and then like add, this, add the hair like flowing. Like, yeah, it's true. I'm thinking they, maybe they did that. It was cool. It was cool. Let's talk about uh, some of the characters. Sure. And who played them. Um, so the lead actor, Jason Momoa, played Aquaman, Arthur Curry. He's a half-Atlantean, half-human, and the future king of Atlantis. I thought he was pretty good. Um, he was believable as a, a guy that had grown up on the, you know, on the what am I trying to say? Surface world. Surface world. Yeah, he was a <laughs> surfacer guy. And then, yeah, I thought it was cool. He did pretty good. And then Amber Heard played Mara. 
She is Arthur's love interest and mm-hmm. daughter of King Nearest. She was good. Oh, she was real good. <laughs> she was real good. Uh, that, yeah, that... She forgot her shirt half the movie, so it was real nice. <laughs> and I like the, the suit was like cut, uh-huh. it's like, cut just perfectly. Uh, William Defoe played... Green Goblin. Green Goblin. <laughs> Nudis Volko, who was an Atlantis counselor and Arthur's former mentor. So he was like the old guy who made a promise like to his mom that he would watch over Arthur. So he came to the surface world to help to train him and to help teach him how to swim since he grew up on the surface world and not in Atlantis. So it was he was his connection in between the two worlds so that he could because I'm sure mom and he thought, you know, one day he will be the rightful king to mm-hmm. take over Atlantis. Yeah, he was kind of like uh Aquaman's Alfred, if we yeah. want to talk about like Batman. Sure, absolutely. Kind of a guy that just kind of took over and helped him because you know, yeah, he knew one day he's the rightful heir that he would be coming under sea. And Patrick Wilson played Orm Marius, the ocean master, Arthur's half brother and ruler of Atlantis. I thought he was really good. Oh yeah. He was like your typical bad guy. He, bad, he fit dark leader. Yeah. He fit, yeah, he fit that persona. Like, I'm in it for the power. I want the command of the army. We will, you know, a General Zod-type character. Yep. <laughs> we'll get into that soon. <laughs> but um, that just all about power, and I'm the king. I'm in charge. It's our people. We're better than you. Let's go take over the rest of the world and impose our will on everyone else. And Yeah. Like he was not the diplom- no Yeah, he was not the diplomatic approach. He was the let's gain power and take over the world. Yep. I'm not listening to anybody else. This is how we're doing it. I'm, I'm uniting these seven kingdoms, and I'm ruling all of them. Yep. Um, I don't know how to say this name. Yahya. Yahya Abdul Mateen II. Who played David Kane, Black Manta, a ruthless pirate and a high seas mercenary, with a flair for creating deadly technological innovations. I really thought I was going to ask your your thoughts on this, because I believe. I don't know the original story of Black Manta, but I thought he was a fallen um, Atlantean that was trying to always fight Aquaman for the throne. I don't know. But I don't... they turned him into, he was human. He was just a pirate mercenary that was taking, you know, the Navy's technology and had the ability because he can't breathe underwater. Yeah. Um, so I was curious to see how they brought Black Manta into this. I should have looked up on Black Manta's backstory. Um, I, I do know, like, the whole costume design was like almost to a T of like what he is in the comics. Yeah, it looked pretty accurate. It was awesome. Like the size of the helmet pretty much stayed the same. It was massive. He made a smaller helmet and he he goes, I think I'm going to need a bigger helmet. Yeah. (laughs) Because it just blew the... Yeah, that's neat how they had to explain it be like, why does he have this goofy looking helmet on? Because like the power inside of like the helmet just couldn't handle the small you know, uh, size or size, the head size helmet that he had first. (laughs) Uh, and then Nicole Kidman played Atlanta, Queen of Atlantis, and mother of Arthur and Orm. I didn't really like her, the, the aging CG they did with her, really. It no. was funky. Yeah, like I said, it looked like Nicole. I'm like, is that Nicole Kidman? I can't tell. It, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like, just, you know, just leave her the same. Maybe do some touch-up, like, legit makeup. Like, yeah. To cut some of the wrinkles out. Like, But, like, I don't know, they went a little overboard with the CG on that. A little bit. I, I liked her role in the movie, though. 
um, it was an interesting like connection without you know spoiling anything but um, it was an interesting connection between the surface world and Atlantis mm-hmm. and how that came to be and how Aquaman of course came to be so it was yeah. pretty cool to see that yeah I like that that he's half surface dweller half Atlantean alright so should we move into our out beer I think so I think we've talked we've, quite we, a length of the movie a, a long length a about long the length. movie so after our out beer we'll definitely wrap this movie up and uh, talk about uh, I didn't see you put it in the notes but we'll talk about how well it's doing overseas and worldwide oh yeah we after that yeah um, but first here's a word from the hopped up network Pacific Beer Chat brings together a collective of West Coast beer bloggers sharing our opinions on events, issues, and well-crafted brews. We hope you will check out the podcast at PacificBeerChat.com and the Pacific Beer Chat on social media and podcast apps, including Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and Stitcher. The music is by Conundrum. Welcome to Pacific Beer Chat. All right, we're back with our out beer. And our out beer this time is a donation from our longtime listener slash supporter, Hannah. Biggest supporter. Our ever. biggest supporter, as we should say. <laughs> our only supporter. Our one, probably one of five supporters. Uh, that's true. Uh, yeah. Our most frequent supporter. We'll go with that. Okay, that she works. frequently donates beer to our podcast all the time. Um, this is from Mommy Bay Brewing Company in Toledo, Ohio, from one of the breweries over there she brought back a couple bottles of this this is the total eclipse breakfast stout mommy bay brewing company's total eclipse breakfast stout is a hearty meal in a glass as it pours it devours the light and your glass is filled with darkness this massive beer brewed with espresso beans from the flying rhino in toledo ohio oatmeal and lactose offers a rich and complex taste that begs to be savored with a smooth carbonation and luscious roasted malt flavor, you will fade to black as you slowly sip this finely crafted brew. We recommend serving at 45 to 50 degrees in your favorite snifter. It's nothing but total bliss from Maumee Bay, Maumee Bay Brewing Company. And apparently rated 96 on Beer Advocate. Hey, spoiler alert! <laughs> You're jumping was, ahead. Well, that was in their description. I was oh, just reading what I copied off the entire You were just so excited. Um, so this one comes in at ooh, 9.1% ABV and 31 IBUs. And I did throw on here, they do have different variations of this, as a lot of you know companies do, like with Dragon's Milk and everything else. They just started adding all sorts of random crap to it. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a bourbon barrel aged, Total Eclipse, a bourbon barrel, ba- bourbon, bourbon barrel aged with vanilla beans, cacao nibs, and coffee beans, and a bourbon barrel aged Total Eclipse Mole, which I would imagine... Like, that mole sauce, which is, I don't want to say it's like chocolatey, but I know it's more like a Mexican cacao or something along those lines. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's I think I that's what that would too. be. They put it in coffee, like Starbucks uses it quite a bit. Yeah, there you go. Something along those lines. I don't know. They really, yeah, they didn't give much of a description. It gives of a little it. bit of spice to the to the beer. The vanilla beans and cacao nibs and coffee beans sound pretty good. Yeah, I, any of those would sound yeah. good, but. Before we get to the variant, we need to try the original. Oh. So let's drink the original. Do we have the original? I think that's what we're drinking oh, right now. that's what yes. you poured in here. No, that's what it Sweet. is. So if we look, it comes in glass bottles here. A very simple label does not go all the way around. And it looks like Toledo, I'm assuming, in the background. It's a nice little bridge over the bay. Hence mm-hmm. the Aquaman reference here. Mommy Bay. 
there's a big water tank. You see, like, water tower. Water yeah. tower, yeah, in the background. Um, it's very professional looking. Yeah. Doesn't it? It's just nuts, like. Yeah, it almost looks like it came from a bigger company. So I, I don't really know. I don't have much history on these guys. I probably should have looked them up a little bit more. Maybe I can find something here. Established in the 1995, the Maumee Bay Brewing Company operates out of the historic Oliver House, creating delightfully drinkable ales, lagers, porter stouts, and the like. Though potentially best known for brewing Toledo's own Buckeye beer, Maumee Bay Brewing Company is always concocting new surprises in the brew house across the street from the main complex. Our brewers thrive on the history that is ever present in the warehouse district while still incorporating innovative ideas to craft well-balanced recipes and produce all of your favorite brews. It's also home to the brew pub, Rockwell Steakhouse, Rockwell's Lounge, Cafe, Sports Bar, blah blah blah. So, pretty big place in Toledo, apparently. Hmm. So, been around since 95. Wow. So, Kind of so, like Matt Anthony. Yes, their labels are, Anthony. are pretty professional. They've been around. Or Sun King, like those yeah. two have been around forever. So they've had enough time to get this right and to find a company to really make some. They were around before craft beer bottles. became cool. Yep. Where it was just like straight to the point. Just you had your like wheat beers and your IPAs and your your dark ones, and that's about it. So it's pretty neat. A little background there. Mm-hmm. All right, um, back to the bottle. The one thing we didn't say on here, there's that paper plate, and that was the way that you look at the eclipse when you hold up a little viewing device. Oh, So right. as the sunlight comes through, so it shows on the paper plate. Sorry, I'm getting all sciency and teachery on you. So you can actually see the eclipse that comes through without burning your retinas oh, as you look you into the eye. Yeah, you can hold it up, and that's what usually, you know, to show school kids, don't look up at the sun. Mm-hmm. When I was in second grade, I remember doing that. The teachers would hold something up on paper plates and be like, here's what it looks like. Quickly go inside. Don't look up what <laughs> my what? eyes because oh. so, i know like when we had that recent that most recent eclipse over the summer yeah the total eclipse so i think that's probably where this name came from yeah i mean like a lot of people just had the glasses with like the film yep the, i had i still have a few of them i think i threw them out but or they say you could use like a trash bag or something or something Ooh. i don't know if that's i would trust that i'd get some official ones <laughs> yeah i'm like i didn't try it i'm like no that just seems like too easy to, to look up at the eclipse but total eclipse, so talking about darkness with the eclipse, and that's where that comes from, as it says, as you pour this into your glass, into complete darkness. Mm-hmm. And you think about it with Aquaman, too. You go under the water. It's complete it's darkness. Dark. Yeah. Unless you're an Atlantean, in your eyes then and adjust. You adjust, and it becomes brighter. Brighter, and everything glows, mm-hmm. like you're on drugs. <laughs> so, like ecstasy. Yes. <laughs> that's where it is. It's under the sea. So, with that description and trying to hold this one up to the light as we are recording in the daytime here, that's uh, I would wear a glasses full of these because you can definitely not see the sun behind that No, this that is straight up all. dark night. The, yeah, this is beyond dark night. This yeah, is the this darkest is, night. This is the darkest <laughs> night in the Batmobile in the, at midnight. During a total eclipse. During a total eclipse of a heart. <laughs> yeah, that's way beyond dark night. Yeah, we don't even have to rank that any further i'm like i said i'm literally holding it to the sunlight and i cannot even see the sun through not, this thing. nothing breaks through nothing not even on the top or the bottom Mm-mm. wow that's crazy so this could be the mommy bay motor oil company instead of a brewery who knows <laughs> it should be fun what's it smell like Ooh, mm. delicious yes oh well, you get that coffee, coffee. definite coffee is what stood out to me mm-hmm. Yep, there's the chocolate. 
You know, you mix it up a little bit, kind of lock some of these aromas. It's so good. Well, it's getting warm, so we better drink it. All right. Oh. Oh, wow. Damn, that is... That is smooth. That is fine. Yeah. Ooh. Oh. Breakfast in a glass for sure. That is awesome. I'm just rendered speechless. I think Hannah needs to take another trip. <laughs> I do have another bottle in there. But I guess we probably should share that with the other two, so. Yeah. No, this is good. This is smooth. It's super balanced. It's very balanced. It's it's breakfast in a cup. That's for sure. Definitely get the lactose. Mm-hmm. A little bit bitter on the end. More bitter than I was expecting. The chocolatey, the coffee. It's probably coming from the coffee grounds. That's where you get most of that bitterness. When they the really throw grounds. in the, the coffee in there, it's just after a while. Just on the back end, on the back part of your throat. It's just that real bitter taste. It's not as boozy as I thought it was going to be. Mm-mm. That 9% is so hidden. There, There's a little bit of a burn that I'm picking up. Okay. Um, not It's not terrible. But there's a little bit there. Espresso beans. That may be the difference. So being the espresso versus just plain coffee. Mm-hmm. I guess as, it, as you swallow it down the throat, it feel that a little bit that burn a little mm-hmm. bit but like as it's in my mouth it's not it's very light it's doesn't doesn't feel like a 9.1 percent no what you got on uh the rate beer rate beer and... well they were correct as i looked it up they are an overall 96 a 62 style and out of 76 rankings, a 3.71 out of 5. So a lot lower, even though mm. Rate Beer gave it pretty high. Um, their description it says, This is our breakfast in a glass brewed with copious amounts of oats with lactose, coffee, and vanilla beans. The pour is opaque dark brown to black with thin tan head. Nose mineral chocolate roast coffee light earthy. Taste milk chocolate mineral coffee light red fruit. A little thinner mouthfeel than expected. I thought it was pretty thick, but... Mm-hmm. Licorice coffee aroma is what this dude says. Guys, they're tasting dark fruit that's added. Are you getting any dark fruit? Not really. It's really hard. Everything yeah. is balanced, really balanced and subtle. It's hard to... But no, I don't get any fruit. This guy says leather. Leather? Leather shoes. <laughs> I do get a little bit of the licorice mm-hmm. as I drink it some more. I'm going to do untapped. If you want to jump to untapped, we can do that. Um, untapped, 3.92 out of 11,000 ratings. Two friends have had this. Mr. Gone, B6, had this breakfast out next. I'm a huge fan of breakfast outs, and this was pretty awesome. Great flavor, lots of chocolate. Even a five. Oh, wow. He's dishing out a lot of fives lately, I noticed. And then another one, other guy had it several years ago, gave it a four. Yeah, he's pretty, uh, he gives out a lot of fives, a lot more than we do. Yeah. I try to, I really try to reserve my fives for just stuff that I like. I almost gave a, gave a five last night when I was at Summit City. Oh, really? But I was the second person to check in that beer. I'm like, eh. <laughs> I, I found see. a few faults with it, but I'm like, there weren't many. So right. it was a definite high rating for me. All right, rate beer. I'm sorry, unless you're still going. That's all I got. Okay. Friends. Um, 
That's all the friends. <laughs> That's I all have. the friends I have. <laughs> You're down to one. Um, beer advocate. The BA score coming in at four point two two out of five. An exceptional out of four hundred eight ratings. So they rank this one pretty high. And this was added in 2010, so this has been around for eight years. So this is not anything new. As you can see on my screen, there is what the old bottle looked like. So they have definitely updated the label since then. So the O is like the eclipse on total. Yeah. Okay. That looks more like a small brewery company that that threw that together. This This is professional. Definitely more professional looking. I'll just read a little review from uh, Untapped. Um, Scott T. said, A perfect classic breakfast stout. Nothing fancy, just smooth, dark, sweet, and simple. Very tasty. Also, I would say nothing fancy. Like, yeah. It's not bourbon barrel aged or whiskey aged or anything like that. It's just... It's um easy to drink, I think. I think you can find a lot of people that would enjoy this. Oh, absolutely. Now I know why they're doing different variants of it because it's just kind of bland with the vanilla that's added like it's just a standard breakfast stout but you can do so much more with these and add the raspberry sorry you can add the blueberry you can add the other fruits Mm -hmm. and other variants and make it more cherry even um it's like we've had so many versions of those with added stuff it's hard to go back to what the original is because it's like it's missing something because you're so used to drinking the variants i want to keep thinking i'm drinking this i'm thinking you know, it's so smooth, it's missing something. Like, they could have done something different. But it's, like, you know, it's original. It's just kind of how the breakfast out started, just like this. And then they started evolving and becoming bigger and, and batter, like, if you will. You know, aging them in bourbon barrels and adding more like, fruit to it. Absolutely. Mm. That, that last sip I had was a lot sweeter. Maybe some of, like, the fruit did come out. Like on that last taste, which is Could be. weird. It's not bad. It's just I finally tasted something fruity. All right, I gave I, it that. I'm locked in. I'm gonna go with it. I may regret it, but go first since you sure you went first last time. I went four point seven five. Dang, pal! Yeah, like this. This is right up my alley here because I'm not a big bourbon fan. I mean, I could care less if this was barrel aged. Um, and I don't love whiskey. I mean, I, I probably prefer whiskey over bourbon. Mm-hmm. That's why that Big Bad Baptist is, I'm wanting to go get it. But, yeah, I thought this was just real simple. Um, probably one of the original recipes for these breakfast stouts. Super smooth, very well balanced with the chocolate, uh, coffee, the espresso beans. It was kind of a nice treat. Um, I didn't get much of the fruity notes through most of it except for that last taste mm-hmm. um but yeah I, I really enjoyed this i wouldn't mind have, like, getting like, a six pack of it and, and trying it or maybe just kind of keeping up on the the variance of it sure so yeah i'm impressed nice i wasn't quite as sold i gave it a four and a half okay um i don't know i like my coffee in this but with the espresso it's like something's a little bit off. I don't know it's like if I'm just nitpicky about my coffee or some type of flavor that's in it. It just left this really weird aftertaste that it just doesn't set right with me. Up front, sweet, chocolate, the lactose, it all comes out. It hits you well, but then on that back end, 
just hanging with me right now. I can just feel on the back yeah, of my tongue. Right. It's a little bit like, well, there needs to be something there to kind of cover that. Like I was just chewing coffee grinds or yeah, something. Yeah, you like have a cup of coffee. It's like it's like that. It just kind of sticks with you for yeah. Ever. It, it sticks. You need like water or something to wash it down, which you shouldn't. Well, even not just water, but some type of variant that could be added to this. I don't know what, but to kind of dispel that. Because I've had some great coffee beers that when you're done, it's not like, yeah. like I was just chewing on the beans. But with that being said, I've had, you know, several breakfast stouts, and this is up there um, with some of the top ones. And I would love to try some of the different variants in there. I would easily, like you said, I'd fight you for a six-pack for this, um, <laughs> to drink this all the time. If I start my morning with this, I, I would not be hey, sad. That'd be awesome. Start the day with some 9.1% alcohol. <clears throat> yeah, that just would be th- awesome. Just throw in like <laughs> three ounces of it and just throw it back. And... With your morning coffee? It'd be great. Yeah. A little with, shot of this a, in the morning. A bagel, maybe? Yeah, there you go. With a bagel. So, yeah. Overall, it's great beer. Definitely check it out. Thank you, Hannah, for your donation for this. Yes, thank you very much. Now you have to go back and get more. Yes, absolutely. See what you've done. <laughs> All right, let's get back to Aquaman. Let's wrap this up. Yeah, let's wrap it up. Do we want to talk about um, the success so far? The yeah, box let's, office? let's talk about the box office because surprisingly for DC, we, this is something we don't normally talk about. No, I mean, this. We, there's no reason to talk about it because it's does so poorly. Yeah. But this one is crushing the box office. Um, as of January 5th, we're at 238 million domestically and 623.5 million internationally giving it a eight these 861.8 million um, box office number for worldwide wow yeah it's it's like on pace with Wonder Woman domestically I, I don't know about internationally it's probably killing it Wonder I Woman internationally thought, yeah when I looked it up it said it was killing Wonder Woman internationally. Could be wrong. I know it's uh, this exploded overseas. I remember seeing the stories saying it's one of the the best movies overseas that are um, internationally. That they all seem to love this movie for whatever reason. Yeah, and I don't know if we mentioned James Wan, the director. Is he's an Asian fella? Mm. Um, don't know if he is from China or whatever, but. That makes a lot of sense why um, this movie is killing it over in China. The Good point. Mar- the marketing and promoting, he might have been real heavy like over there. He might have like a family over there. Um, just a word of mouth, really, like is very strong. It's very strong. I, I feel like more so than like what the internet says. Yeah. Because like you know, if you do tell a friend, hey, you need to go see this movie. It was really good. There's more of a chance that you'll go see it than just like somebody on the internet saying. Oh yeah, good movie. You know, I have this and this and that, and I liked how it did this. And you don't even know the person, so. True. Uh, officially passed Wonder Woman at the worldwide box office, becoming the second highest grossing film in the DCEU, when not accounting for inflation. So the milestone comes just 12 days after Aquaman's domestic release, and a little over a month after its release in key foreign markets. So it did pass Wonder Woman. So that's pretty neat. Yeah, Wonder Woman. Foreign wise, only did four hundred nine million. Oh wow! I mean, I mean that's still pretty good, four hundred nine. But Aquaman's already at six twenty three or whatever. Oh, yeah. And it still has probably what eight to ten weeks. Yeah, because it's only quality. been out. Yeah, domestic for about a month. So probably I would think a couple more weeks, 
internationally yeah. about two months because there's nothing really going to slow it down except I mean you got the Lego movie too coming out which might slow it down a little bit but definitely as, as soon as Captain Marvel comes out it's gonna, yeah. that Aquaman's going to be pretty much done oh yeah so yeah that's kind of exciting that's very DC. exciting for the DC mm-hmm. but whether or not it's a connected cinematic universe like Marvel does I think they just need to get away from that just make good standalone films and if somebody wants to find a way to tie them all together, then tie them all together. But they try to, to tie them all together first before setting the origin stories, and it just it didn't seem to work. Right. So this one did, though. Yeah, so did. you want to jump into like some speculation a little bit, and then we'll look at some Easter eggs? Sure, works for me. So, yeah, like you said, I think they just need to stick to standalone solo movies for now. Just kind of do it one movie at a time, and... And then maybe, like, if they're feeling like, okay, we are into a, we got the formula right, we know what we're doing, we know how we want these movies to be, then they can maybe start making connections down the road. But right now, I think they just need to stick to, like, just make it a solid standalone first. Don't worry about anything else yeah. going on in the universe. You don't need to plan 12 movies you, in advance with the different know. phases. I mean, we have enough of that with Marvel, just make some good standalone films first get your money up <laughs> and yeah, then get, try to tie it together because i know they have a lot to recoup from like suicide squad and batman v superman yeah. like they spent so freaking much money on batman versus superman they didn't even i don't think they crossed a billion dollars on mm-hmm. that movie it's like trying to quit trying to make things so dark and i mean marvel does it good and like their first dark movie they came out with infinity war with like you know the dark overtones and everything i mean they did it well and there was still humor added to that it was it just it it has to be a good mix and just not the same depressive movie state over and over again yeah it doesn't have to be dark knight like when christopher nolan did it like it only worked for batman because that's batman that's batman that's like (laughs) that's his world is it's like dark and brooding and um depressing like his parents were shot in front of him and it just kind of carried a whole through his whole life. Yep. So it kind of works with Batman, but these other characters they don't need to be like that. And they started to with this one with Aquaman, like made him more brooding and whatnot, and just kind of standoffish. But yeah, I don't know. He That's turned Zach, a little bit Zach bubbly. Snyder, he just towards doesn't the end. know what's going on. Like, yeah, I don't. He just stuck in his own ways. I'm it's glad like, it not. worked once. It'll work again. No, people are sick <laughs> of it. I'm glad he's not doing the movies anymore. Yeah. Like, he's out completely out of DC. Good. Yeah. For everyone's sake. Yeah. All right, what are some Easter eggs you found in there, Pam? Ooh, Easter eggs. So, I pulled up um, a little article from ScreenRant.com. 25 things you completely missed in Aquaman. Oh, I missed so many things. I know. But I'm not going to go through all these because a lot of them don't really... They're stupid. Yeah, they just don't they don't make a connection with us. Um, number twenty five, the Trident Call over the opening credits. The effects of depicting the studio title cards in a different underwater setting, complete with the sounds of water to match the camera's movements, is a nice touch to help take audiences into a superhero realm they've never dreamed of. But even better is the sound effect that is laid over the entire sequence sounding like an unseen sonar ping constantly thumbing thrumming oh i miss that audiences won't recognize that it's actually the sound of king atlantan's pulsing trident quite literally calling aquaman home to his rightful throne 
from the very first seconds of this movie's opening. Hmm. Didn't miss that. <laughs> oh, the mother box. This was number 24. I completely missed this. Um, considering how it was received by critics and fans, many comic buffs expected to see the events and existence of the Justice League movie completely ignored in Aquaman's solo follow-up. But when appealing to author's, Arthur's sense of heroism, Mira does allude to his battle with Steppenwolf. She did mention Steppenwolf Wolf like one time in the movie they, as they were getting into the truck. Oh, okay. Um, however, the best Atlantean Easter egg comes courtesy of Arthur's mother, Queen Atlanta. It isn't spoken, but fans will want to observe her craft creation on the sofa table in her lighthouse home. The box isn't a perfect copy of the Atlantean mother box, but the designs and accents are obvious enough to confirm Atlanta was familiar with the relic decades before Steppenwolf returned to claim it. So I, I guess in that scene, like when they were in the lighthouse in the beginning, there was a box like on the table, the coffee table. Yeah. That had looked that looked like a mother box. Huh. Yeah, I didn't even recognize that. I thought maybe it was just like a, like a decor or something <laughs> that like the the guy had. Uh, number three twenty three Orm's Man of Steel callback. So basically, what they're saying here is, in Man of Steel, there was a scene where Aquaman was on the the oil rig and it was on fire and he was trying to save everybody, and he gets like thrown into the water, and there's whales like two big like blue whales like floating like by him they're saying that Aquaman sent those as like comfort and like to like like just oversee like the situation make sure Superman's okay huh. that's what some fans are saying interesting and that's kind of weird because like I don't even think Aquaman was like in the works back then that was 2013 when that came out but that's what they're saying they're saying Aquaman sent those whales just to overlook Superman. Huh. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Uh, number 22, a tease of Green Lantern in the DCEU. Um, I guess in here there was... Here, I'll jump ahead a little bit. Dr. Stephen Shin has plenty of newspaper clippings lining the walls of his workspace, spreading the reports of a mystery Aquaman across the globe. But ignore the headlines and notice that one of the newspapers is the Daily News for Coast City, home of Hal Jordan. We don't hold, won't, we won't hold our breath, but seeing Coast City added into the DCU is a thrill, no matter what. <laughs> it's, I don't know if it means much. I don't, yeah. I mean, maybe they're. They leave the possibilities open, like I said. It's wanna, not like it's going to, but it's there if need be. Yeah, just leave it. Put it there if need be. You never know. Green Lantern might show up. Um, number twenty-one, Cal Drogo's wrappings. The Game of Thrones fans will appreciate this. You. Me. <laughs> and whoever is listening out there. As Mira is wrapping him up, he wraps his, like, his wrists and, like, his body after he was attacked, I think, in, like, Sicily. Like, oh, that old yes. scene. And it kind of was, like, a throwback to when he played Khal Drogo um, in uh, Game of Thrones, season one. He was king of Dothraki. It was just a little tribe. It was like an Indian tribe in, uh, in that whole world. Hmm. So I think the Game of Thrones fans will 
something like that. Uh, I guess there was an Annabelle doll, like somewhere. Oh, that's creepy. Yeah. Um. Oh, Aquaman's pet octopus on drums. Did you see the octopus playing the drums? No, I didn't. Like a lot of reviews I listened to and a couple podcasts, they were like, "That was so fucking awesome!" <laughs> octopus <laughs> playing drums. The size of Black Manta's helmet. Which, oh, yeah. I, I, okay, I remember the octopus now. Sorry. The, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, i got to go through the movie in my mind again. It was right before the Ring of Fire. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think the you know, 18, the size of Black Manta's helmet, I think they're just saying how like how true it is to the comics. And they instead of making it more practical looking, they're like, no, let's just let's do it how it's supposed to do it. Yeah. Be. Big old head. Big old head. <laughs> the writing of Seahorse. <laughs> Aquaman rides a seahorse. A classic. This is the old Justice League. Mm-hmm. The Aquaman movie writes most of those wrongs, but none feels more personal than Arthur's final fight against Orm. Having proven himself a worthy king and used his powers to ride the Carathian into combat, Arthur sets his sights on the last stigma, mounting a massive seahorse dragon to make his final charge against his half-brother Orm. Then he was riding that big Godzilla-looking creature... Yeah, like, the the creature that was protecting the trident. That was the creature. Oh, that was? Yeah. Oh. You didn't make that connection? Where no. else did that giant creature come from? I thought that was just a part of another, like... Uh, no, that was the mythical creature kingdom. that they said, he oh. does exist, or this creature does exist, and it's protecting the trident. And oh. then that's why he goes, you can hear me? No one since King Atlan has been able to see me. So that was, all, that was all before, it was like three heads. Because we, we just saw the the tentacle things coming in and smacking him around. Yeah. Because it had to be massive, and then that's why he rose from the ground on that thing, because oh, he could communicate with okay. it. Because yeah. he's the one true king. I thought it was just kind of there, like, protecting, like, a separate kingdom. No. That was, that was that creature. Okay. That's Does cool. that make more sense now? Yeah. <laughs> it makes it a little <laughs> bit cooler. Because, that, yeah, it's the mythical creature that's said not to exist. That thing is fucking huge, so... No, it was massive. So yeah, the big beast, Carathian. Carathian is voiced by um, Julie Andrews, Andrews oh, who geez. played Mary Poppins. Yes. That is so wicked. That's cool. That's pretty cool. I guess there was a sound effect from Star Wars and Indiana Jones that I didn't connect at all. It says the metallic whining sound made sense when used for the actual plane at the start of Raiders, and less when it was used to mark a failed ignition on the Millennium Falcon. Huh. Aquaman plays homage to these adventures by having the same sound punctuate the failure of Atlantean pursuit vehicles shot down while chasing Mera and Arthur from Atlantis. That's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. I'm going to jump ahead to number eight, Dinosaur Island. Yeah. The like... discovery of a hidden sea and a prehistoric oasis concealed at the center of the world may be one massive homage to Jules Verne's journey to the center of the earth or even Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's The Lost World, but there is also a DC Comics equivalent to consider, and it's one with a name that couldn't be easier to remember, Dinosaur Island. Yep. The island lost to time and the outside world has been a mainstay of the stranger side of the DC universe for years. Did fans ever expect to see it added to the DCEU? Of course not. Now, here's hoping that the dinosaurs are actually left alone in this version of the tale. Uh, yeah, I thought that was kind of odd when they pulled up um, to that island and there were like dinosaurs walking the, on the ground. Number five, jumping ahead again, 
the true king Romulus, the theme of brotherhood and rivalry continues into even the clue offered up by King Atlan as part of the search for his famous trident. The hint is to place the bottle in the hands of the true king, with Arthur having no trouble discovering which famous classical figure Atlan was referring to. The answer is Romulus, the first king of Rome, but the meaning goes much deeper. That's because Romulus is just one half of the story, with the other being his brother Remus. Mm-hmm. Born together, nursed by a wolf together, and both hoping to build a new empire with the founding of Rome, Romulus began his accent, or ascent to the leader of the coming Rome by eliminating, who else? His brother Remus. Yep, that's the founding of Rome. I used to teach this all the time when Did I you? taught Roman history. Yep, it was the two brothers who were raised by wolves, or the wolf mother, um, and one had to outduel the other to be the rightful king. They both couldn't do it at the same time. So it's uh-huh. like one had to outplace the other, and that's exactly what Aquaman was doing. So it made the little <laughs> throwback to, to Roman myth, mm-hmm. I should say. Yeah, and he fit that bottle like into the hand like yeah. real perfectly. That was, cool. that was pretty cool. Let's do number one, just right. because. The Man of Steel homage. The above image is part of a shot that actually concludes the film. It's showing Aquaman with his trident, like, flying in the water, like, the, the water, like, the path that he's setting below him, like, going up to the surface. With Aquaman glimmering in the ancient armor of his people, trident held above his head, soaring straight up towards the surface, and the water doing its very best to help conjure the image of Henry Cavill's Superman breaking the sound barrier. Considering how closely Zack Snyder and James Wan worked to bring the aquatic hero to movie audiences, first in Batman v Superman and Justice League, preparing Arthur for his launch into Aquaman, the shared imagery makes sense, even if James Wan doesn't confirm it as an explicit call-out to his creative collaborator. That's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. So there's like little things like Those that. are like real little things. Yeah, it's not like anything things. would... Like, who would have found this crap? It's like, come on. Yeah, exactly. To sit down and think about all that. But... So that's it. That's all I've that's got for Aquaman. Great movie. Definitely yeah. go check it out, Definitely I think. We'll um, Saf will have something else to say about that, I'm sure. He'll find reasons to shit all over the movie. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I don't know. I don't think you're doing yourself justice if you wait until it comes out on um, DVD, Blu-ray. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's always different seeing things in the theater. Yeah, it is. But It's just one of those movies that you should probably go see in the theater if you can. It's just, you know, waiting until it comes out and watching it on your 42-inch or 52-inch TV or whatever. It's fine, but... 55-inch. (laughs) 55-inch. But you're just not going to get, like, that full, like... Yeah, the cinematic effect. I mean, that's for most of these superhero movies, you definitely get most of that. But you also won't get a gentleman saying, you're in my seats, get out of my seats. That's true, yeah. You're in your own home and you're comfortable and nobody's going to be walking in your house. You're sitting in my seat. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody interrupted my movie. Um, But yeah, definitely go check it out. Good movie. Um, Fits well in this DCU extended universe, or maybe extended universe, who knows. Um, what they end up doing with it, but it's definitely a good standalone movie, and I thought, based upon the crap that came before it, I think it, they did a really good job with it. Probably the best they could. Yeah. Um, if it was a true origin story, and we didn't know, and it was a different actor, and, you know, the, rebooting the entire thing, that would be one thing, but I think they did a good job tying the movies together. Right. I think so. Yeah, they did. 
So good movie, good beer. Good beer. Until next time. Drink up and geek out. Proud member of the Hopped Up Network.